The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is What My Grandma Means to Say, which is the name of a one-act play which we're going to hear. It relates to Alzheimer's disease. Now, Alzheimer's disease is a serious thing. It can't be cured, it can't be prevented, and it doesn't yet have a fully effective way of slowing its progress. It harms the person's ability to understand, to remember, and to communicate, all of which undermines everything the person does. It harms the person's emotions. It harms the person's behavior, which sometimes can get aggressive. And it's one very powerful reason why family caregiving is becoming more and more important. To discuss the play, we have... J.C. Silzenko, whom I'm going to call J.C., the play's author, and Kristin Irving, a family caregiver and personal support worker. Now, J.C. is known for her work with young or emerging writers. Her play, What My Grandma Means to Say, is used by the Alzheimer's Society of Ottawa, among other organizations, in outreach programs for young people. Her storybook, What My Grandma Means to Say, which is adapted from the play, launched in the Ottawa International Writers' Festival. Her poetry and prose have been heard and published in national and local media and online. Her poems are carried in various short books and and, anthologies. She received the Ottawa Public Library's Order of Friendship in 2010 for outstanding volunteer service as a judge in the annual Awesome Authors Contest. Kristen, Kristen Irvin lives in Aylmer, Quebec. She graduated with honors from the Personal Support Worker Program of Ontario's Thames Valley District School Board, Adult and Continuing, Continuing Education. She participated in the information series on Alzheimer's disease Her experience includes working with patients with Alzheimer's disease and dementia in what's called a lockdown unit. She's worked in private home care, and she's provided companionship sitting. She's currently supporting her grandmother, who has Alzheimer's disease and who lives at the Glebe Center, a long-term care home. She also works with Down syndrome clients to help them learn daily tasks 
and to help them integrate into a social environment. She volunteers as an activities administrator and coordinator. So welcome to the show, JC and Kristen. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Gordon. Okay, now I'm going to start with JC first. Please tell us more about how you came to be interested in Alzheimer's disease. Well, it began with a conversation I had with a friend who had visited her mother who was living with Alzheimer's disease and with whom she hadn't really had a conversation for many months. When she came in that day, her mother looked up and said to her, I don't like your hair. And they had a real conversation after that, which completely surprised my friend. She kicked herself that she hadn't called her sister to come over right away, but she did call her sister as soon as she reached home. When the sister went to her mother's room, the moment of clarity had been gone. So it really stuck with me, that story, until I was flying west, and I wondered if that incident could become a story for children. How would a child handle such an experience? How would a child feel? And somewhat as a catalyst, my own childhood uh, came to me when health issues were really not discussed or explained. My mother wanted to save me from the reality, for instance, of my grandfather's own decline. What happened instead, of course, was that my imagination led me to places that were really quite darker than the reality at that time. I thought to myself, well, if children and families could find out together about Alzheimer's disease through the experience of 11-year-old Jake with his grandma when she enjoys a moment of clarity, perhaps I would let them discuss what they can hope to do and what they cannot hope to do in response to such a situation in their own lives. So that's how it all began, Gordon, with a 10-minute play that focused on that moment of clarity and its aftermath. Okay, going to come back to that. Um, Kristen, please tell us about the ways in which you help your grandma. Well, at this point, Barton, I'm mainly her companion. I go in every day for a few hours, and we will go through her clothes, go to social activities, pretty much anything she wants to do on that particular day. Um, at the same time, I'm also doing what a lot of family caregivers are doing now. I manage her personal care while I'm there. I book her appointments. We go out. We get to our appointments, I guess. Um, make sure her walker is in order. We do physio. Mostly, yeah, we just hang out and kind of keep each other entertained. It's good to keep her engaged as much as possible. I find that the longer that we're stimulating, the more she'll get into something. Um, but, yeah, that's really what we do for the most part. Okay. Now, back to JC. Please now tell us about the play that you're going to read to us in a moment. Sure. Well, to be honest, I had never written a play before this one. I had written five books for children, stories, and poems. Uh, when I started to write about this, uh, I have a notebook with me any time I, I go anywhere. I was uh, on a flight over the prairies in winter when there isn't much to see. And what was amazing to me was that the characters that came out as I wrote refused to have me as a narrator. They just simply pushed me out of the way. And once I had that dialogue, I didn't really know what to do next. So I read everything I could that had been written for children about Alzheimer's disease. And I found that there was a lot for very young children and for young adults. But there wasn't much aimed at the grades 4 to 6, 8 to 12-year-olds that didn't talk down to them. So having this play in my hand, I uh, tested it. I took it to families and circles of caring, uh, people who were dealing with uh, Alzheimer's disease in their lives. I took it to healthcare professionals and educators, and I visited a bunch of local elementary schools. 
and then I uh, edited it as best I could. I partnered with uh, the Glebe Center, which, as you mentioned earlier, is a local long-term care facility that also offers day-away programs for people living with Alzheimer's disease, and also the Alzheimer's Society in my region, which now, as you said, uses this uh, in its outreach programs. We did a discussion guide for teachers, uh, and then this premiered at the Writers' Festival and has been presented at schools and at libraries and churches ever since. Uh, people asked for the book so they could take the experience home. Well, there was no book, so I wrote a book, and it was launched in May of 2011 at the Writers' Festival. It goes a bit beyond the play. It shows what happens in the lives of Jake and his family before and after the incident that's at the heart of the play. It also includes um, FAQs and some referral points to websites of, of, uh, that are relevant. And the play and the book have featured recently on the Canadian Dementia Knowledge Transfer Network. Okay. Kristen, before we listen to JC's reading, uh, please would you tell us about the things you've learned about Alzheimer's disease through helping with your grandma? Well, I guess to start, it's uh, very unpredictable. Um, some days my grandmother is very with it. She might not have names for everything or all the words, but she manages very well. And she's happy and engaged with her surroundings. But then also there's days where you can go in and she'll hardly be able to get out of bed or she sometimes will be talking to people that aren't actually there. She can become agitated. She cries, yells. Sometimes there's no visible reason, whatever. Um, we find that the more attention I can pay to any mood changes helps to uh, kind of calm her down. Just because she can't tell us what's wrong, there's usually something bothering her. And it also the other thing, it seems that it affects um, very differently different people. Some people can seem perfectly fine for long periods of time, and it's not so many conversations later that I realize they're not completely there. And then... Other times I've seen people deteriorate almost within a couple of weeks. So I don't know. I guess that's just the way it goes, but it would be nice to have more information on it. But to go back to just what you said, very variable, that is unpredictable. Is that the right word, Kristen? I, I would think so. Maybe, yeah, I guess you can start to predict certain outcomes. There's certain triggers and things like that. Even the full moon seems to have an effect occasionally. But, um, yeah, for the most part, like the day-to-day, -day, it's very unpredictable. Yeah. Now, JC, back to you. Um, we're going to hear the play in a moment, but I want to just ask you about the sorts of knowledge that, and knowledge sources that you were mentioning. And and ask you this, how helpful were those knowledge sources to you in your understanding of the kind of things that Kristen has just been talking about? The, the greatest help came from the people who are my partners, the people who deal with the situations on a daily basis, the activity uh, organizers, the facilitators, for instance, in the Gleep Center, the uh, program staff of the Alzheimer's Society. They were the ones who were most helpful. The books that I read, the material that I saw, some of it was fairly uh, fairy tale like uh, and some of it was very clinical. So I didn't really find uh, that material so helpful. What I did find helpful were the first-hand experiences. And listening to Kristen, I can see why that uh, resonates uh, with me even now. Yeah. Now, going back to um, your experience, Kristen, of Alzheimer's, obviously we've asked you about your experience with your grandma. 
are there other things you've learned in your professional work as a personal services services worker? Um, well, I, the other thing I guess to say would be that it's not they're not always pleasant and easygoing. A lot of the times people can be very different than what they were like before they had the Alzheimer's. Um, I've seen very nice people become very agitated or angry and aggressive sometimes, and then. Sometimes people whose relatives say they were mean old crooks end up being very nice, pleasant <laughs> people after a while. Um, so I guess there's that, and oh, I'm not, yeah, I guess that would be about it. Yeah, so what it comes back to, and we're going to hear the play quite soon, but one of the challenges um, that, JC, that you, I think, will have confronted are the very points that Kristen has been making. That is the change in personality right? and emotion of the person. Now, I'm not going to ask you, we'll judge <laughs> that, how you deal with that in the play after you've read it. But I guess all those unpredictables, those changes, those things that are hard for everybody to understand, but still harder probably for children. Those are the kinds of things that influenced you, I guess. Are they? Very much. And, and the fact that children sometimes are the last to know and to understand, and that leaves them in a worse place than if they had a better understanding. Yeah. So we're dealing with a conversation about a, a basic uncertainty, aren't we? That's, that's the situation that you're talking about. Well, I think we're dealing with a situation not necessarily of uncertainty, but, but that's all new. And if it's new, how does a child find their place in it? Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, now it is time. Um, we do have to pay the rent, and so it is time <laughs> for us to take a short break. Uh, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are J.C. Silzenko, J.C., and Kristen Irvin. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. The small farmers in developing countries are being helped by self-reliant agriculture's proven multi-crop model. Long-term self-sufficiency is given to these poor farmers with the assistance of self-reliant agriculture's professionals in nutrition, agronomy, and animal science technology. Every week on Growing People from the Ground Up, host Michael Bumstead and his co-host Tom Rockwood and their panel of guests and regular contributors show you how their proven model is having a long-term effect on the lifestyles of people who would otherwise remain in poverty and lack good nutrition. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Green Living. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and J.C. Sulzenko and Kristen Irvin. Our topic is the play, What My Grandma Means to Say. So let's now listen to J.C.'s reading of the play. Um, and then at the end, we'll just have a quick word uh, with her about it. But, so I'm going to hang a, hand over to you now, J.C. Please read the play. Thank you. The play is in one act and has four characters, and I use a reader's theater approach, which means I take on different voices for each part, and I read some of the stage directions as needed. The scene. A boy around 11 years old stands in the open doorway of a long-term care residence room, his back to the audience. He's wearing a baseball cap, jeans and sneakers, an ordinary T-shirt. To his left, there's a railing like one finds along a corridor in a place where people need something to hold on to because walking is difficult for them. The door to the room is a simple frame without walls so that the audience can see the room with the shapes of a single bed and bedside table inside it. A large bulletin board covered with family photos and pictures of different birds can also be seen as those suspended from an invisible wall. Opposite the frame of the door is the frame of a window. It gives on to a brick wall of another building, perhaps across a laneway that's several stories below. Inside the room, a small woman around 70 years old and dressed in a tracksuit waits in a wheelchair. She sits almost straight in her wheelchair. And the first person to speak is Grandma. Hello, you are? I'm Jacob. Jake, you remember Grandma? Of course I do. Of course. You are, you are, your grandson, Grandma, and your grandson, Jake. You know that, Grandma. You know. Of course I do. Of course. Would you like uh, uh, a raisin, a candy, a cookie? Grandma, would you like a cookie? See, this is a chocolate chip cookie, Grandma. It's got little bits of chocolate in it. They crunch. Here, have one. Mmm, good. I've never had a... A chocolate chip cookie? Maybe you're right, Grandma. Maybe you never had one just like this. When I came last Saturday, you tried oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. They're good, too. You liked them a lot. I did? Sure. You ate at least three. I did? Yep, you did. Would you like to go outside for a walk, Grandma? A walk? I'm in, uh, in, uh... In your wheelchair, I know, I know. I could push it outside. We could sit where the bird feeder is. We could count the birds. Count the birds? The birds? Yes, let's go outside. Here's your blue shawl in case it's chilly. That's it. No, you don't need to put your arms through, Grandma. It's got no sleeves. Here, let me wrap it around you. Just sit a little forward. Okay, you can lean back now. Isn't that cozy? Here we go. Jake pushes her out of the room, 
down the corridor, past the frames of open doors that hinted many rooms along that hall. As they walked down the hall, they passed a few men and women holding onto railings or pushing walkers on wheels toward the end of the corridor. Other folks sit in wheelchairs at the doors of their rooms. One man uses two canes. His progress is slow as Jake and Grandma pass him by. Where are, where are we? We're going outside, Grandma. We're going outside to see the birds. The birds. The birds. Jake pushes the button to open the door to an enclosed garden. Alcoves hold pots of blood-red geraniums that break up the stiff, high planks of the fence that keeps the residents separated from the street and safe inside the flowered walls. There are a few chairs and tables, perhaps an awning and other patio furniture. Jake pulls up a chair next to Grandma's wheelchair. Here we are. Let's sit here. That way the sun won't be in your eyes. I'll lock the wheels. And we're not too close to the birds. We don't want to scare them away. Are you comfy? There's him. Comfy? Am I? Comfy. That's a yes, I guess, Grandma. Oh, look, a chickadee. And then Jake points to the feeder. Chickadee-dee-dee, chickadee-dee-dee. Yes, that's right. You remember those birds, Grandma. You used to take me on the trail in the winter. We'd bring safflower seeds. You'd put them in our hands. The chickadees swooped down, didn't they? They whirred through the air and landed right in our hands. They weighed nothing. I remember their bright black eyes and cold, sharp little feet, even if you don't. Chickadee-dee-dee. Chickadee-dee-dee, look, a cardinal. What did you say, Grandma? A cardinal, see? It's there, in that little cedar. A cardinal? A cedar? Grandma, do you know what you just said? Yes, dear, I sure do. You're right about the cardinal, Grandma. There's its mate, too, see? And the tree, you knew it was a cedar. That's awesome. That's amazing, Grandma. Wait till I tell Ma. Now, Jake, no need to make such a fuss. You know I know all about birds. Taught you how to look for them, how to listen for their songs, how to feed them. Why are you so surprised? Grandma, it's just that that you haven't been talking much when I've been over to visit Grandma, and sometimes, sometimes you forget things. Oh, Jake, it'll take a long time for me to forget what I know and a long, long time for you to know half of what's in my brain. Maybe I should call Ma. She'll be so happy to hear about the birds, about the tree. No, Jake, dear, no. Let's just have a nice time together. Look. A goldfinch near those lilies. A goldfinch. Lilies. You sound just like a parrot, dear. Now, now it's your turn. See that black bird with the wide tail? Can you tell me what it is? It's a... It's a... Aha, give up. It's a grackle. Time to get out that bird book I gave you. Time to refresh your memory. My memory. You're right, Grandma. You're so right. Look, stay here in the garden. Just a couple of minutes, Grandma. I really got to call Ma. I'll be right back. Sure. Sure, dear. I like it out here. Don't rush yourself. I'm not going anywhere in this thing. 
Jake pushes the button and runs back into the building to the central desk where a uniformed nurse works at a PC. I need to use the phone. Quick, please, quick. Is anything wrong? No, no, it's just so awesome. It's my grandma. She usually forgets stuff, forgets everything. But now she knew me and about the birds in the garden. She could name them. I got to tell my ma to come right over. I know she won't believe me how grandma is cured. Here's the phone. But look, don't set your hopes too high. Sometimes people who live here remember some things for a little while and then go back to forgetting again. No way. No way. My grandma's back. Hello, Ma. Guess what? you got to come over right now. No, no, nothing's wrong. But Grandma, she remembers stuff. Yes, she remembers my name. She knows the names of the cardinal and the chickadees and the cedar tree. She even remembers the bird book she gave me for my birthday. No, I'm not kidding, Ma. It's so awesome. Yeah, okay, I'll wait with her. We're in the garden. Hurry, Ma, hurry. He hangs up. He bursts into the garden. He's smiling like a clown. Grandma, Ma's coming to see the birds with us. She'll be right over. That's nice. Look, Grandma, uh, uh, big points to a bird at the bird bath. You know what kind of bird that is, Grandma. Tell me. It's, uh, it's, uh, Grandma, tell me what kind of bird that is. You know the names of all the birds. It's, it's, uh, it's a, what kind of bird? Just say it, Grandma. Say it, Grandma, tell me. (laughs) Grandma starts to whimper. She shrinks from him and shelters under her shawl. Jake stands up slowly and walks over to her. He puts his arms around her. It's a blue jay, Grandma. It's a blue jay. See how well you taught me? I knew what bird it was. I'm sorry, I shouted, Grandma. I'm really sorry. That's better. You're okay now. It's getting late. Let's go in. Let's go in. Jake turns the wheelchair around, pushes the button, and goes through the door into the building. We see his retreating back, shoulders slumped, as he pushes the wheelchair away from the garden's light towards his mother, who walks quickly down the corridor toward them, her face to the audience. Hi, Jake. Hello, Mother. How are... As she sees Jake shake his head in a silent no, she stops speaking in mid-sentence. Her smile shrinks to a tight line. Oh, my darling, my darling. Still facing the audience, she leans down to caress her mother's cheek, then comes around to stand next to Jake. She puts her arm around his shoulders. Their backs to the audience, they together push the wheelchair further into the heart of the nursing home. And that's the play. Tracy, um, very moving, very true to what I know about the condition, which is that people with it can go back to memories long ago and recall them, but not necessarily retain them. Now, just very quickly, please could you tell us who typically are the audience for the play and what do you know, know about them? Well, um, I've aimed this clearly at the 8- to 12-year-olds and their families, so grades of 4 to 6. It also works well for children who are a little younger. Uh, it can interest intermediate students, uh, 12 to 14, and even high school students who can uh, perform the play for the target age group. 
Um, you know, from my point of view, what's most important is that kids not be locked out of a situation that causes them stress or distress. You know, they're part of the family, whatever comes. If they understand more, they can find ways to handle themselves and the situation better. Okay. And now, I'm uh, going to have to stop you there because of the tyranny of the break, but we're coming back okay. to discuss this more. So, as I say, it is time for us to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Avenue, and my guests are J.C. Sulzenko and Kristen Irvin. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We're coming back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're looking for answers and solutions, you don't have to look to expensive treatments, consultations, and methods. All you have to do is listen to your connections. Every week, the Dr. Melanie Show will teach you how to do just that. Dr. Melanie Barton will share her gifts and talents and teach you to do the same. And in doing so, find the solutions to the issues in your life that you truly need. You'll learn about holistic and practical health in six key areas. Discover the Dr. Melanie Show, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and J.C. Sulzenko and Kristen Irvin. Our topic is the play, What My Grandma Means to Say. So let's talk about reactions to the play and how it's going to be promoted. JC, first of all, what have been the reactions of the various audiences who've seen the play? Well, the initial reaction from kids is silence, and then lots of hands go up in response to the leading questions about what do you think, how do you think Jake feels, and what do you think will happen next. You get really amazing questions. Can you catch Alzheimer's disease? How do you know you have it? Can kids get it? Is there a cure? And then so many kids bring in their own experiences, and any age, 8 to 12 uh, age group, there are lots of kids who are already at least a quarter of them always put up their hand. They know someone living with Alzheimer's. Uh, parents, families, family caregivers, uh, they are the ones who ask for the storybook. Uh, they feel the play uh, is very authentic and feel the same way about the book now that they've seen it. 
They find the FAQs, the questions, helpful in enabling a family discussion um, and getting to some strategies for what they might do together and with the person who's living with Alzheimer's. Very positive testimonials at my website from teachers, healthcare professionals, librarians. Um, we have this discussion guide which teachers help uh, facilitate a dialogue with children after seeing the play or reading the book. So very positive response thus far. Kristen, what's your reaction to the play, please? Um, well, first off, I think it's great that it's reaching out to that age group. There isn't enough um, information out there for them. Um, at the same point, um, just to make a note, though, that not all grandmothers are like um, J or like JC's, Jake's grandmother or my grandmother, per se. Sometimes it, they can... Um, Sorry, lost thought. Sometimes the nicest people, like I said before, can become violent and aggressive at times. And I think it's really important to be aware and to inform the young people and our children that because it can be very frightening for them, um, especially to somebody who doesn't understand what's happening. They may think it's their fault, and it's important to let them know that nothing they did caused these actions or behaviors and that sometimes it just happens. But at the same point, it's also very important to try and stay connected in some way with their relatives. Can I just say that um, I'm 100% behind everything you've just sent, uh, Kristen, but uh, not but, and that both in the discussion guide and in the questions and answers at the back of the book, we deal with exactly that issue. Yeah. Right head on, because we certainly know that situations are unpredictable, just as you've said. So, uh, you know, how does a kid deal with that? So there is no sugarcoating that goes on anywhere here. Uh, what we're trying to do is provide a bit of a chance for kids to talk about Jake and therefore their own concerns within their family circle and therefore be able to at least work out how they manage a situation when if they come in expecting a positive response, there either isn't one or there's a completely negative experience. Kristen, any comments about that? Well, no, um, that's great. Um, I think that's really important. And also, all the questions in the back are really good and helpful for the kids to be informed. Um, my daughter, I brought her with me for the first few years, and it was very helpful for her to be informed about what was happening around her so that she knew sort of where to stand and what she could do, what she couldn't do, and things like that. And I think it's very helpful. Right. Now, I'm going to ask JC what your plans are for taking the play to more audiences and whether you have other ways of encouraging family discussion about the serious challenges of Alzheimer's disease, the kind of thing that you've both been talking about. Mm -hmm. JC? Uh, yeah. Um, well, first of all, of course, we're doing everything we can to encourage libraries and schools to add the book to their shelves. And the same with Alzheimer's societies and other groups who work with families and people living with Alzheimer's disease so that the book gets listed on reference lists on websites and library um, collections lists, both online and, you know, in actual uh, on shelves. Um, I think that the use of the plain educational outreach, uh, that's something that I am encouraging. I'm enabling it by a simple letter of agreement with me. Um, and, in fact, there are a number of societies who've picked up on that uh, in Ontario particularly. So I'd also like to be able to show how the play can be performed for young groups. And so by the end of January, which is Alzheimer's Awareness Month, there'll be an 11-minute video posted both on YouTube and at my website 
of a pilot performance of the play by high school students in Prince Edward County for local elementary schools. From my point of view, this is absolutely ideal, having senior students perform for younger ones. And we're also exploring how to do an e-book version of the, the storybook. You also asked, Gordon, about um, encouraging family discussions. Well, you know, if families read the book together, they can talk about what's happening to Jake and Grandma rather than someone close to them. And the questions and answers, as we've just mentioned at the end of the book, they really deal with a lot of the issues that can arise in both the situations that the family faces and in this kind of a general discussion. And obviously there are lots of ways to provide, to, to obtain other information from other sources to, you know, research the question better, or for that matter, to go and seek advice from people who are, um, you know, healthcare professionals. The key thing for me is letting families together figure out what they can and what they cannot hope to do. And I think you can look at this approach and make it applicable to other health challenges Talking together in as informed a way as possible is clearly more positive than keeping kids in the dark. Right. Kristen, what suggestions do you have for JC about reaching more young people and families? Well, honestly, Gordon, she seems to have it pretty well covered. Um, I'd like to see it continue to be presented in schools, such as she's been doing, and the community centers in our area. Hopefully it will expand after it catches wind. Um, but, yeah, I think she's done a great job with it so far. Oh, thank you so much. Now, Kristen, I have just a follow-up question on that. What would have been your reaction to the play while you were in your training program, you know, learning to be a um, personal services worker? Would this, progr- would this um, play have had impact on you that would have got you to think? What, what would you say to that? Well, definitely, and um, I... You don't really know what you're getting into until you're actually in the middle of it. Um, they don't tell you what to expect. They just try and give you the, the background knowledge of what they know and tell you to kind of go in and do your best. And it's really helpful to have somebody else's point of view of what is actually happening to them. When I was a student, I hadn't met anybody with Alzheimer's, and I had no family relation to kind of put that with. So I didn't think of it from the family's point of view until actually just a few years ago when it started happening with my grandmother. And you look at it from a very different, when you're working in it, you, you're like, okay, well, it's fine, today's a bad day, but to a family member it can be quite upsetting when they have bad days or on opposite when they have a good day. JC, back to you. This question of, first of all, healthcare professionals, you know, like Kristen, people mm-hmm. who are providing the services and learning academically, and there's nothing the matter with that, but the role of the play for them, would you see that as something useful or not? Oh, absolutely, and in fact, it has been suggested by some long-term care providers. I just have not pursued that as actively as I have trying to get all of the pieces of this puzzle put together and having them all in a row because I originally just thought we'd do the play, then we did the book, now we've done the video. But yes, I think it would be, it's certainly uh, a number of people have suggested it would be very helpful in their training program, so I'm heartened to hear what uh, Kristen has to say from her own experience. I mean, I'd go so far as to say that my profession would benefit from this because <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, quite seriously, they, we know it all in theory, but to have Jake go through that episode of where Grandma understands, sees, recognizes, and then only a short while later is lost back 
adrift in the condition of Alzheimer's with her memory apparently lost and gone, maybe for good. That's a very powerful way of getting across something that in a textbook uh, can be described but not actually portrayed in the way that you've done it. So I'm not sure whether I'm encouraging you to go to physicians, but I'm certainly saying, uh, echoing what Kristen has just said, that is, um, all healthcare professionals would, I think, benefit from this. Now, what about, um, we've talked about families, we've talked about children, but what about the public at large? Um, JC, do you see this play helping them understand what more and more Canada and other countries, North America, generally the U.S. is, is coping with as we have an aging population? What well, do you I say gather, about that? you know, Alzheimer's is, knows no boundaries. It's everywhere. Um, yeah, I think uh, from the point of view of the, in quote marks, general public, which, of course, you always have to, as a writer, sort of break down a little bit because you're, you have to focus, I think, uh, you know, where the priority is. But I, I have no doubt in my mind that this has a, a life that can be much uh, wider, uh, and, and I'd love to widen the reach. I think that by doing the book, you know, it does, whether it's available e-form or in print copy, it does open up the chance for more people to have a look at this from th- this particular angle. Uh, really, when you, when you read the statistics uh, about ignorance about Alzheimer's, and I know a study came out from the Alzheimer's Society of Canada called Rising Tide, it shows how so many people know very little, not even the basic warning signs. And that's the generation that needs to recognize it because their elders are the ones who are are likely to, uh, some of them in any case, are likely to have some form of dementia as they age. So I think it's really very important, whether it's through the prism of the play or the book, to to try and get people to understand more about the situation that Alzheimer's, in fact, causes. Quick medical point is that Alzheimer's springs up by itself, apparently, but it's also the uh, sequel to um, a lot of physical diseases like yes. heart disease and this kind of thing. Yes. And so that's another reason, yep. you, and you both know this, why we're going to be seeing more and more of it as the yep. population ages and gets into these awful conditions, which is why I think this wide publication of what you're doing and things like it is so important. Now, Can once look- again... It's time for us to take the break. This is a tyranny. Uh, <laughs> this is Dr. Gordon Adler, my guests are J.C. Solzenko and Kristen Irvin. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean you don't have an important voice to be heard. You are our future, and you need a forum to be heard. Tune in to American Pulse on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll talk to the student leaders of America and find out what they're 
they're doing to make a difference today. You'll be inspired to start working now for a brighter future later. American Pulse is heard live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. It's time to lead by example. If you're a golf enthusiast and looking for some great golf properties in the desert southwest, you'll want to make the Golf Realty Network your weekly stop. Hosted by Jane and Al Anderson, the Golf Realty Network is all about living where you play on the golf side. You'll hear from the course pros and vendors, while the real estate side will bring you the top agents and brokers who know how to market or find your golf community home. Tune in to the Golf Realty Network, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety, and rebroadcast weekly on Voice America Sports. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and J.C. Sulvenko and Christine Irvin. Our topic is the play, What My Grandma Means to Say. Um, let's talk about the things that you both would like to see done to encourage more people to help family members with Alzheimer's disease and maybe diseases like it. So, JC, starting off with you, what are the two most important things you would like to see done to reach more of these people and interest them in helping and understanding family members who have Alzheimer's disease and diseases that uh, reflect it or are similar to it, and who should do those things? Casey? Well, you know, it's a, it's a very big question for a very short amount of time in our discussion, <laughs> but I think uh, sort of, these are the things that I would highlight. One is that I think that the healthcare policymakers and providers uh, they need to open up their own view to include children in the picture where a family is dealing with uh, a family member having uh, living with Alzheimer's because these things affect the children too. I mean, there is a, there's a great deal of wealth in what children can bring to a situation as long as they are reasonably well prepared for what they can and cannot do and they can find their place in what's happening. But I think there's, there's often you know, a dismissal of that. Oh, well, you know, our pre- we don't have enough resources to pay any attention to the children. Well, I don't think you can leave them out. So I think that that's, that's, that's one of the most important things. The second is that obviously talking, people are very fearful of what they don't understand and certainly what they cannot control. So understanding at least is helpful. Controlling a situation is often not the case. But I, I, I'm reminded of a really lovely story from Jen Dare, who was a program facilitator at the Glebe Center, who when I asked her how she could work with Alzheimer's residents year after year, uh, you know, how difficult is that? And she said to me, if I see a smile after six months, I consider that my full reward. I think there's a lot that can be done that gives a sense of joy, even though the person is so different from what they are remembered to be. If they have any sense of joy, then the people who are with them should feel that joy as well. They need to have a conversation, though, as families, as individuals, to prepare themselves and to find out what they can do to support the person living with uh, Alzheimer's disease. And there are lots of things that we can talk about, as simple as singing, going for a walk, looking at family photos, if that pleases, 
Um, in our discussion guide, we talk about activities for the home and the classroom, you know, creating a memory box as an example. And there's a wonderful program that grades six students at an Ottawa Montessori school come on a regular program of visits to the Glebe Center's residents who have dementia that's related to Alzheimer's. And these kids interact and they have training to do so. In essence, in my mind, all stakeholders need to let the kids in, let them help, and we can believe that the kids are up to it. Right. Kristen, it's the same question. Two most important things you would like to see done, but this time I'm focusing you on young people helping their grandparents who have this awful disease. And who should do those things? Kristen? Well, I agree with JC that it, we should, as healthcare professionals, open the door to the kids and let them come in. And at, But at the same time, because it's so widespread and it affects so many people, at some point I would like to see it like even entered into our education systems Um, When we were all kids, at least in my generation, we all did a small project on AIDS and the effects of that and what the warning signs and how you can catch that. And having Alzheimer's now being one of the more predominant diseases in our generation, or not our generation, but with our grandparents and parents, I think it would be very helpful for them to even do just like a small class, a couple of days or a few hours even, just to help them get a basic understanding of what's going on with their grandparent or their relative. Just a little bit of knowledge can go a long way, and it can keep them from feeling lost and helpless when they're facing the disease with their relatives. Um, and second, I would think it's very important for families to discuss and include the children and just help them to be supported and encourage what they're doing and that it might not work out the way they plan, but as long as they're trying and they know that their presence is important, even if grandma doesn't remember you, she still likes having the contact or yeah. whatnot. They, they're still people. They have feelings, even if it's not expressed the way you expect it to be. Um, but, yeah, that's really, I guess, the family and the education, I think, are the most important things. Got it. JC, what's your message to young people with a grandparent with Alzheimer's disease? Well, I guess uh, I'd begin by saying you're not alone the kids. Um, I'd encourage them to find out what they can with their family and what they can do um, with, for somebody who is living with Alzheimer's disease, the kinds of activities that we're talking about that they can do together that bring joy, to not have expectations that the person is going to be the same as they were. Um, and that's very much part of the storybook that talks about Jake's expectations and how he has to right-size them to the truth of the situation. How important it is that people support each other in caring for the person with Alzheimer's and that they shouldn't be afraid to make a difference in the lives of people living with Alzheimer's, even if these friends and family members don't respond to what the child does in the way the child had hoped. And I guess I'd like to end it by more or less saying that I really believe that kids can make a big difference. Gotcha. Kristen, same question. What's your message to young people with a grandparent with Alzheimer's disease? Well, Seeing the way that uh, a lot of the residents will light up when children are present in the facility uh, has to lead me to agree with JC that kids are very important um, and that it is very hard. It's, it's not easy and it's okay sometimes to, like, to let the children know that it's okay to feel discouraged and like you're not making a difference, but that you really are and it's really important that you're there and that everything you do counts at least a little bit. Even if you're doing little things or big things, or it's, it's the contact that really has the biggest effect for them, I think. Right. Now, I'm just going to 
come back to you with a little bit of a summary of the message that I've got from both of you. And it's, it's this. Medicine, you know, the things that doctors do and hand out and all the things that the healthcare system does are very important. They're essential. But there's something missing. Um, that is, what healthcare does isn't enough. And the enough factor, that is, doing the other thing, it seems to me, are exactly the kind of things you're talking about. That is, getting the understanding across to people of what it is that they're dealing with, that um, it's not something that's easily understood, but it's not the young person's fault when the conversation goes awry, um, that this is an a condition which changes people in a way that makes them unrecognizable at times. But yet, it's a condition in which what the young people and indeed other people do can really be very important, and it can be that additional necessary factor in caring for people with this, with this disease. So that's the first thing I want to say. And the second thing is quicker. The idea of teaching young people to look after not so much themselves but their families, uh, and maybe I'm a bit of an old fogey saying this, but there's a lot of criticism of the me generation only concerned about ourselves. Well, being concerned about somebody with Alzheimer's disease would be a very good way of saying we can do something that's caring, that's helping to people for whom nature has really been very unkind, for whom nature has awarded not a prize, but the opposite. So all in all, it's to both of you, and this is what I want to sort of finish by saying, this is work that you're doing, understanding that you have, which is profoundly important um, in, this, in North America and indeed across the world as we struggle with this disease as we struggle with the burden on society, as we struggle with money, because there's mm -hmm. never enough money for anything in healthcare. And yet what you're both doing um, is a bargain. And I mean that in a very, very nice way. You are <laughs> delivering services of an extraordinarily beneficial kind in your own time, just as family caregivers and just as Jake and just as other kids are doing. So all I can say to you is, Please keep up the good work because we need you and we need everything you can do. And that is the satisfaction you're going to get and I'm sure you're already getting from the work you do. So thank you very much. Now, I want to say thank you to our listeners. And I want to say, as I've just said, a special thank you and appreciation to JC and Kristen for sharing your experience, your insights, and your advice. And again, every success to you for everybody's sake in your work. Now, our next episode, we're going to be talking about caring for privacy. So please join us, same spot, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 